Just when I thought I had enough to talk about in the episode today, two more breaking news stories come to fruition. So, holy smokes, NHL draft come and gone, trades galore, signings, speculation, frenzy around the corner. We break everything down and more. Episode 92 of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Oh boy, welcome in, episode number 92, Tuesday, July 27th, the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast, Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Another article coming out about the hockey writers kind of breaking down the Vancouver Canucks and the Arizona Coyotes trade, which we will get to, don't you worry, um... All the things are happening. Everything. I don't think I called this, I want to say, three weeks ago? Three weeks ago a month. But I was saying that this could be one of the wildest, craziest off-seasons that we have had in recent memory. There was a huge lineup of free agents. One of them re-signed. We'll talk about that later. There were teams that needed out-of-cap hell, teams that were looking for players who wanted out-of-places, and what's crazy to me right now is the number one player that was on the trade market, the top two, in my opinion, that were on the trade market, haven't even moved yet in Jack Eichel and Vladimir Tarasenko, though it's 2.02 on Tuesday, July 27th when we're recording this. I don't know if one of these guys gets dealt in the next half an hour or so, but We'll try and break down everything that's happened. Of course, the draft, the controversy surrounding the Montreal Canadiens we got to discuss. Kale McCarr's locked up. Trades galore. And before we get to anything, the breaking news story today was that Marc-Andre Fleury was sent from the Vegas Golden Knights to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for forward Mikhail Harkarainen. I could be getting that wrong, but uh, Hakarainen, sorry. Marc-Andre Fleury to the Blackhawks, Hakarainen to the Vegas Golden Knights. No salary retention. Originally, I did not think that there was a player involved from Darren Dreger of TSN. He said that there was no player involved, but uh, there is a forward going back the other way. Doesn't seem like a crazy, um, not necessarily a huge prospect. I don't know a ton about him, but I haven't read enough to be like, oh, that's a player. Um, instant analysis to this trade. What a, at first when I thought it was nobody, I retweeted one of the posts from Darren Drager and I said, so, so the Blackhawks just get the reigning Vesna winner for free. And then of course a prospect gets dealt the other way. I understand that there is a flat cap. I understand the teams are trying to shed cap. And that the the salary cap is not going up at least for the next year. But you couldn't get like a fifth? You gotta remember, two years ago, the Toronto Maple Leafs traded away Patrick Marlowe and a first round pick to the Carolina Hurricanes. Just to get rid of the contract. If the contract was that bad... Or if it, it, not even if the contract was that bad, but the player alone just won the Vesna. And if the contract is that bad to you, but he's still, the, you couldn't get a fifth for him. Oh, I don't know, but what a, what a monster trade. It literally just happened. So I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to dissect this as best I can on the go here. Now there are rumors and other speculations going on that Marc-Andre Fleury is discussing in depth with his family. He loved it in Vegas. He wanted to stay in Vegas for the remainder of his career. And this was a guy who, when he was selected in the expansion draft prior to this year with Vegas, he thought that Vegas was going to be his final destination in his NHL career. And then they bring on Robin Leonard, and there was speculation last year, and of course this year, and now he's going to Chicago. And I mean, Chicago's got their own issues going right now uh, with, with the 
allegations being made back in 2010. But Chicago has... Chicago, this is a low-risk, high-reward trade. Chicago gets to... I mean, both teams in this regard, they both benefit to a certain extent. I think the one thing, Vegas, is the fact that they won... What is it? The the William M. Jennings Award for the best goaltending tandem, the least goals given up throughout the course of a season. Flurry and Leonard, I think, won it this year. But for Chicago... You already have Kevin Lankin in, but now you have another guy who you can rely on and do like a 50-50 split. Flurry's probably even your guy. But again, there is the conversation of retirement in which Flurry could do. But the reason I say it's a low risk, high reward. If if Flurry retires, right, he's done. Chicago gave up a prospect in their pool that may or may not have made their team. And right now, it doesn't look like it. When you got the names Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Curry Doc, Dylan Strom, Alex DeBrinkett, Alex Nylander, like it, it would have been hard-pressed for that guy to come in and really, really do a whole lot. If he doesn't retire, you've got a goaltender who clearly you can afford to, at least for a year, play 1A, 1B with Kevin Lankinen. Lankinen develops again another another step forward this year, and then when Flurry's done with his contract, Lankin is ready to take over. It's a win-win. For Vegas, right, you lose that tandem that so many teams fight for. The problem was you're playing, you're paying that tandem $12 million. Flurry made seven, and I believe Leonard right now makes five. He's starting off his four-year, $20 million contract he signed. But now you've got $7 million off the books. And apparently Vegas was, I mean, there's rumors flowing left, right, and center. But one of the rumors is that Vegas was in on Jack Eichel. I don't know what you give in order to get him. But I'm assuming, I mean, Cody Glass is out of the conversation, which is tough for them. But, you know, there's, I don't know who you'd be able to move off there. But, you know, that team's kind of struggled with the center position. Um you know, they've had guys like Paul Stasny before and William Carlson when he scored that 40-goal season. But Chandler Stevenson was their number one center between Pacioretty and Mark Stone. So they really need a number one center. $7 million comes off the books. You can make a trade or you can sign a guy. There's a couple names on the books. One of the guys I'm thinking of right now who's probably going to re-sign in Boston, but a guy who'd really be nice there is David Krejci. He plays that role, but I, I think he's staying in Boston. But this is a, a this shook the hockey world today. Shook it. Um, what a <laughs> what a what a move. I mean, Flurry finally goes somewhere else. Chicago might get a, a one-two tandem that might be end up being the best tandem in the league. I just it, he just won the Vesna. Like you, he was not the problem as to why you lost to Montreal. Your team lack of scoring was the problem. The goalie wasn't the issue, but they needed to get money off the books maybe to get scoring. I can see it from Vegas's angle, but man, if he plays, Chicago just gave up absolutely nothing. I mean, no disrespect to um, Hakarainen, but he gave up a prospect for the best goaltender in the league last year. Just in the regular season, not overall, just... He won the Vesna as the NHL's best goaltender. Can't take that away from him. So we'll see as this develops. I'm trying to read more and more rumors on it. But right now, it's Flurry for Hakarainen. No salary retained. No nothing. Flurry figuring out if he's going to play yet. Uh, the other new story that broke is that Vancouver Canucks have bought out goaltender Braden Holpe and is in the final year of a two-year it was almost $9 million contract. He made $4.8 million um, this past season. We'll make it again. But, um, you know, hope he's now going to hit the market. He is a great option for a lot of teams looking for that 1B kind of backup who can still get you 30, 35 starts, possibly even 40. Um, but, you know, hope he's going to be out there. Uh, some teams that, you know, I, I think could look into him. Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a team that makes a lot of sense to me. Toronto has Jack Campbell. Hope he can sign in a one-year, $1.52 million contract. Uh, Arizona, who's only got Darcy Kemper, but is looking to move him. Um, but this is uh, 
This has been a day today. Sharks place goaltender Martin Jones on unconditional waivers to buy him out. Oilers place forward James Neal on unconditional waivers to buy out. Flyers sign defenseman Keith Yandel to a one-year $900,000 contract. These are all preliminary uh, signings. Uh, the big one, uh, Canucks signing forward Connor Garland, just requ- acquired in a trade from the Arizona Coyotes, which we'll kick off with, uh, was just signed to a five-year, $24.75 million contract. And the Blues signed Pavel Buchnevich to a four-year, $23 million contract. The dude's not even making six a year. Oh my God, there's so much to get to. I'm going to be a little bit all over the place today, so I apologize, but... We will start, well, yeah, we'll we'll start with this here. So, we got to go back a little bit because there's some news that took place. Trades galore ahead of the NHL draft. And, I mean, the NHL draft was the NHL draft. We'll get to the one big controversial thing. But Owen Power went number one overall to the uh, Buffalo Sabres. Sabres traded away um, Sam Reinhart to the Florida Panthers in exchange for goaltender Devin Levi in a first-round pick. Um... But that was kind of, in terms of the draft, there were some players that got taken. But again, this was a draft that we didn't know a whole lot because a lot of the guys didn't even play this past year. So we'll see what comes from it. But let's go over the trades. Let's start with the big one. Trade season officially upon us. The first one, the Vancouver Canucks and Arizona Coyotes. So this was the deal. Vancouver Canucks land Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland. Coyotes. Get Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel, a 2021 first rounder, and a 2022 second rounder, and a 2023 seventh rounder. In addition, Arizona retains 12% of Ekman Larson's cap hit. Let's start with the Arizona side of things. And I'm going to bring it back to Arizona a little bit. Arizona, fantastic job. Ekman Larson was a defenseman who was kind of stuck on a big deal. It was going to be really hard, not only to find a good co- like a good team for him to fit, but someone to take on that contract. By eating only 12% of it, which is less than a million dollars a year, they, they ship him off to Vancouver. They retain three expiring deals in Beagle, Erickson, and Roussel. They, comp- they combine for just over $12 million. They acquired the ninth overall pick this year. A 2022 second and a 2023 seventh rounder. They loaded up on on picks. The big loss for them is losing forward Connor Garland. Garland, like I said, just signed a five-year, $24.95 million contract. Arizona, who we're going to bring up a few more times here. Eggman Larson wasn't a fit there. Jacob Chikrin really took on the majority of play. He posted great metrics. He played tougher minutes on the same team. Eggman Larson has really fallen off since signing that contract. Um, and they, and again, they really find a way to get some value in it and take on all the expiring deals from Vancouver in order for them to take on Ekman Larson's cap it for Vancouver will be 7.26 for six more years. Now, think of it what you will, but I think this is a good deal for Vancouver. I do. Vancouver doesn't need cap hit six. It does, they don't need cap help six years from now. They needed cap help yesterday. And Friday they made that deal because $12 million, over $12 million came off the books. Louis Erickson had a cap at a six. Roussel and Beagle three apiece, $12 million. They are now taking on Ekman Larson 7.26. That's $4.74 million or $4.74 million in cap. Sorry, I got it right the first time. On top of it, they have placed Jake Vertanen on unconditional waivers to buy out. That will save them a couple million. Braden Holtby is on unconditional waivers for the purpose of a buyout. That will save a few million. They still, they have about 25, 26 million now with all that done. And they need to re-sign, well, Connor Garland just got signed. And they still have to re-sign Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen. Brock Besser ends next year, but Roberto Luongo's money. They needed cap help now. That's Vancouver made this deal now because they need cap help now. They're also trying to trade defenseman Nate Schmidt, who carries a cap hit of almost $6 million. Vancouver was in cap hell right now. They didn't need help six years from now. That's why they took on Ekman Larson. The other thing too, and I got to believe this, sometimes a change of scenery is really good for a player. And for Ekman Larson, I think Arizona was running him to the ground. 
I think he was unhappy. His play, he was probably uh, defeated. Training probably didn't go as well. Now he gets a fresh start. Canadian City. You get Quinn Hughes. Tyler Myers is there too. You don't have to play the heavy minutes anymore. You don't got to be on the, the defensive pairing and try to shut down the team's best players. I don't know if he was doing that in Arizona. But maybe a fresh start. I'm not saying, and I've seen his numbers over the past couple of years, they've been god-awful. They have been. And there's just, you can't hide anything from that. But maybe, maybe a change of scenery. Maybe he doesn't live up to the $8 million player that he signed for. Maybe he doesn't live up to the $7.26 million that he is in Vancouver. But if he plays like a 4 $5 million defenseman, right? Chips in 35, 40 points. His metrics get a little better. It's a body that Vancouver can trust to be in their top four. I know and I understand the metrics are awful. Give him a chance in Vancouver. He's not playing above Hughes. He's not playing above Myers. Let him take a back seat. Vancouver might be a better team next year. Probably healthier. You know, who knows? I know Arizona was was in the playoff hunt for a little bit too. But sometimes a change of scenery is all you need. It's hot in Arizona. You've been drafted there. You're given the burden of the captaincy. Trying to drag this team. Your play's hurting. You're defeated. Training. Going to the rink is not fun anymore. Maybe going to the rink in Vancouver is fun. Maybe that helps us play a little bit. I'm not saying that's a direct correlation, but sometimes that all that's all it is. It's not advanced metrics. It's not stare at a computer for nine hours and figure out what's wrong with him. Maybe it's you've been stuck in a market that you're just not thriving in. And you're watching your other countrymen, Victor Hedman, Swedish, win back-to-back Stanley Cups in Tampa Bay where it's also warm, but it's beautiful, it's sunny, the sports team's successful, there's no tax, your team's good. Maybe you go to Vancouver. Maybe you take some hikes through the mountains. Now again, I'm I'm going off on a tangent here, but I'm trying to justify because everyone's like, that's an awful contract to hit. But the fact of the matter is Vancouver needed the cap help today. They didn't need it four or five years from now. They need it today. At some point, the cap's going to start going up. That contract's going to be less and less of a downer. Now it sucks, but Vancouver can deal with it today. Because it gave them almost $5 million in extra cap space after the deal is done. That cap space got used to sign Connor Garland. They bought out for 10 and they bought out Holpe. They're trading Schmidt. They will use the remainder of their cap to sign their other two RFAs. They needed cap help this year. Quinn Hughes is an RFA as we speak. Elias Pedersen is an RFA as we speak. They got to sign those guys. And if a team offer sheets them to a point where they can't sign that deal... They're screwed. So I get why both teams made the deal. And maybe, just maybe, Ekman Larson becomes a player for Vancouver. Um, Okay, Columbus was also quite heavily talked about and in the news. Because they made a blockbuster deal with the Chicago Blackhawks. Sending Seth Jones to them for a haul. Now, we talked about Blackhawks earlier and trading for... Marc-Andre Fleury, they continue to make massive moves. Now, it's funny. Sometimes when you want something so badly, so badly, it clouds your judgment. And if the other team, or if the other party keeps saying no, and no, and no, you're willing to go to great lengths in order to give a team exactly what they want without even realizing it. Now, when these two teams talked about the deal, Originally, Columbus wanted one of Kirby Dock or Alex Dabrinkit. Dabrinkit is a budding star in this league. And Kirby Dock, b- before getting hurt, looked like he, he was going to be a player. And probably is a player. Both those guys were untouchables. So in return, Chicago got Seth Jones and they swapped picks. They got Seth Jones... They took Columbus's pick, which was 32nd, and I believe a six-rounder. 
Columbus got the 12th overall pick, Adam Boakvist, a second rounder, and a 2022 first round pick. Adam Bokas, by the way, is not a player to just blink at and be like, oh, okay, that's not bad. Adam Bokvist had 29 point has 29 points in 76 career games with Chicago. He's a former first overall pick, eighth overall, a right-hand shot offensive defenseman, 20 years of age, and can absolutely move the puck. And the more he plays, he's going to be a player. I watched him in, in London as a member of the London Knights. This dude's sick. Like he's gonna play. Um, they got, they upgraded their first round pick this year to 12th overall. They have a first round pick next year and they got a second round pick this year as well. Now they traded back and they flipped with Carolina for a defenseman, Jake Bean. So basically in this trade, that second round pick became Jake Bean. They got Adam Boakvist, Jake Bean, the 12th overall pick this year and a first round pick next year for Seth Jones. And then their first round pick because they swapped. You got Jake Bean, Adam Boakvist, two first rounders or an extra first rounder and your first rounder this year was upgraded. Columbus walked away like bandits. Jones said he didn't want to return. So Columbus was like, we're not giving you away for nothing because Jones was like, I'm leaving regardless whether you trade me or not. Columbus gets a haul for a player whose metrics were very down last year. But remember... He has received ballots for the Norris Trophy in four straight years from 2017 to 2020. He's finished as high as fourth in Norris Trophy balloting in 2018 when he had 16 goals and 41 points in 78 games. He registered 28 points in 56 games this past season, but his underlying numbers were not great. He's only 26. Chicago then signed him to an eight-year Nine and a half million dollar contract per season. Now I get the trade. But he didn't have to make that much money. He did. He he had no leverage over you. Where was his leverage for you to be like, you know what? You get nine and a half. You know that guy Mira Heiskinen? He just signed a, an eight year deal. He makes 8.45. But nah, you're going to make a million more than him. You couldn't get Jones at eight and a half? Eight? His numbers did not dictate that contract. But anyways, there's too much going on to me for me to go into that contract. The contract's not great. I don't love it. But think about Chicago for one second here. Though I'm going to spin it positively for Chicago for a second. You didn't have to give up Kirby Doc. You didn't have to give up Alex Dabrinkit. Kirby Doc's coming back from injury. Jonathan Taves is coming back from injury. Alex Nylander's still in your system. Patrick Kane's still there. Your defense now, your top four is Calvin DeHaan, Seth Jones, Nikita Zadorov, Zadorov, and Connor Murphy. It's a solid top four. And now goaltending, you've got Kevin Lankinen and Marc-Andre Fleury. Also with that top six I just named. Now they just bought out that P.O. Suter guy who had like 27 points in 56 games. He's going to sign somewhere and be a very good player. But like, I mean, there's a lot of crap going around right now in Chicago back in 2010, and that's being brought back up. And, you know, I by all means, don't forgive them for that or anything. And they still have to deal with that as an organization. But, I mean, they're putting together a, a team that's at least going to compete every night. And I know Seth Jones' numbers were not great. His underlying numbers were not good. Of course he wasn't great. His numbers went down offensively. He had a bad year. You know who else had a bad year? Columbus. You know who just got fired as the head coach of Columbus? John Tortorella. You know a lot of players don't work out for John Tortorella sometimes? I'm not saying Seth Jones is worth $9.5 million for the next eight years. But you don't think at all? He's 26 years old. You think he's peaked? You think last year was like, all right, he's already declining. He's 26 years old. I guarantee you he's better next year than he was last year. I guarantee you that. Chicago's, Kevin DeHaan is a very solid defensive partner too that you can rely on day in, day out. 
Jonathan Taves coming back in the room. You got youth and exuberance and Kirby Doc. By the way, Dylan Strome, who I I was like, he slam dunk a part of this deal, was not a part of this deal. Adam Bocas might be a lot to give up, but but man, like he's not going to be as bad as he was last year. 26 years old, prime of his career, finished fourth in Norris voting just three years ago, had voting in the Norris Trophy up until this past season. I very much think he is not the player he was last year and probably improves a little bit and also runs the top power play because Adam Boakfast isn't there anymore. That's a big pill to swallow for Chicago because they drafted him and he was going to be a player. But if you're not giving up Kirby Doc or Dylan Strome, or Alex Dabrinkit, you got to give somebody up. Adam Boakfast was the guy. All right, let's move on here. Let's talk about another uh, trade. I want to just talk really quickly about the St. Louis Blues and the uh, New York Rangers. And the, the Blues land Buchnevich from the Rangers. Now, it's it's funny because the Rangers were taken over by Chris Drury and he said, we need a culture change, right? And they traded for Barkley Goodrow. They signed him to a six-year deal. They got a bunch of offensive talent. And they trade away Pavel Buchnevich for a second rounder next year and prospect Sammy Blyce. And then Pujnevich then signed a four-year deal under $6 million per season cap hit. Blyce has one year left on his deal at $1.5 million. He had eight goals and seven assists last year. He's physical bottom six winger. And a second round pick. Pujnevich had 48 points in 54 games last year. Look at the return. That Columbus got on Seth Jones, who had a bad year. Buchnevich almost point per game. You got an eh prospect. I mean, no disrespect to Pavel or to um to 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 Blyes by any means, but he's 25, has a year left on his deal. He's a physical bottom six winger. That was your return. The Rangers want to change the culture. It doesn't mean get rid of the talent. And Buchnevich has been encapsulated in this franchise since he got there. I just... I think this is very poor asset management by the Rangers. I think you really whiffed. And you basically gave St. Louis a top six winger who's going to thrive if he plays with a Ryan O'Reilly or a Robert Thomas. And then they still are going to get assets when they trade Tarasenko. You gotta be careful. You wanna come in and make drastic changes. Sometimes that doesn't work out as well as you think. And sometimes you over, over exaggerate. You overthink things. Right? The big thing with the Rangers after that brawl with the Washington Capitals is we gotta get tougher. We gotta be ready for the Tom Wilsons of the world. So you're getting big physical bottom six wingers who can't score and you're trading away. A 20-goal scorer and a guy who almost was point per game last year who was entrenched in your top six? I don't know. We'll see. But right now, the Rangers, not a great move. St. Louis, absolute win. Absolute win. Didn't give up a first-round pick. You bring in basically a replacement for Tarasenko. Now you can move out Tarasenko and get a whole bunch back and fill out the rest of your roster. Absolute win. Go get yourself a left-hand shot defenseman to replace Vince Dunn. Tarasenko didn't get selected in the entry draft. You can trade him for assets as a win. Absolute win. Uh, okay, let's move on here to the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, again, if you are just, if you're still tuning in right now, it's going to be a long episode. Going to be a uh, a very long episode here. Not very long, but long enough. Um, and I want to talk about the Flyers. And, and the Flyers have had an interesting offseason. You know, being mediocre or going 500 is not a great track record. And I've been seeing some people online post like the Flyers are absolutely knocking it out of the park this offseason with what they've done. I scratch my head. Really? Have they? Let's start with this. The Flyers made a trade with Arizona, who we will talk about in a second. And this was the deal. To, to Arizona, defenseman Shane Gostisbehere, 
who had a $4.5 million cap hit, two years left on it, a 2022 second rounder and a 2022 seventh rounder. To the Flyers, nothing. Nothing. It was a cap dump. You traded a former, I mean, Gostas Bear clearly had his, his issues over there in uh, in Philly. But I'm, I mean, at one point he put up 65 points as a defenseman. I mean, there's a reason you originally signed that contract with him. And then you traded away a free second round pick just to get the cap space. And then they used the cap space and trade their first round pick this year, a 2023 second rounder, because they traded their 2022 second rounder, and defenseman Robert Hag for Rasmus Ristolainen, who analytically was not a great defenseman. Seth Jones, like, comparable. Not great defensively. Now he's big, he's 26, he's 6'4", 218, shoots right, physical, he's put 40 points up in his career a few different times, but I'm just, there were so many other, why didn't you use the cap space to sign Dougie Hamilton? They've already, the the trade, because they've made two other trades, they traded away Cam Atkinson for Jake Voracek. They basically save almost $3 million in cap. It's a great deal. And then the three-way deal in which they gave up Nolan Patrick, who wasn't working, and they end up acquiring Ryan Ellis in the deal. So you've already got one right-hand shot defenseman who's going to work out very well for you. And I'm just... You made two really good deals, and then you make another one. And yes, you know what? I will give you the Goss to Spare deal. Sometimes you got to give something to get something. Cap space is very important. It's a flat cap. You're trying to get your team better right now. They didn't take on JVR. You were able to flip Voracek. And then you use the cap space and trade more assets to go get a defenseman who analytically hasn't been great over the last few years. So, again, I'm just looking. And again, the Voracek, they get Cam Atkinson in the deal when they trade for when they trade Voracek. And that's they make they're gonna save 2.4 basically million dollars in cap. And Ristolainen, I believe, makes 5.4. He's got one year left on his deal. But, I mean, I just... I mean, Philadelphia, if you're looking at a team who wants to quote-unquote shake it up and bring new personnel into the building, sure. And everything, by the way, I said about Seth Jones still applies to Rasmus Ristolainen. I'm not being a hypocrite here. He could go to a new team. He's not going to be the top defenseman. That's Ryan Ellis. He could go in, play with a good defenseman, whether it's Travis Sanheim or or Ivan Provorov. And he could absolutely change it around because Buffalo has been a dumpster fire over the last couple years. But you had a proven commodity who you'd have to pay. But if Ristolainen plays well this year, you're going to have to pay him next year. You had a chance to go out and get Dougie Hamilton and have Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Ellis, Ivan Provorov and Travis Zanheim as your top four defensemen because you made the cap space for him. And then you traded a first, a, a defensive prospect and a second next year for a defenseman who did not cost that much to get. The Blues paid a second for Buchnevich, who's a point per game player. Chicago gave up as much as they did because they didn't have to give up Kirby Docker to bring it. Also, Seth Jones at one point was considered one of the better defensemen in the NHL. So he at least has demonstrated he's done it before. Ristolainen hasn't. So I'm very intrigued here. And there's a couple, again, a couple accounts where they're saying, this is exactly how you should be doing um, a shakeup. The Flyers are a perfect example of it. Really? You've given up a first rounder, two second rounders, Shane Gostaspare, Jacob Voracek, and and other prospects. And again, the Ryan Ellis one's great, but for Ristolainen and and Atkinson, let's 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 take out the Ellis trade because it was a three way deal. Let's take out the Ryan Ellis deal. So for Ristolainen, 
and for Cam Atkinson, those two players, you gave up Jake Voracek, Shane Gostisbehere, a 2022 second, 2022 seventh, 2021 first rounder, 2023 second, defenseman Robert Hag. That's a lot to give up for Rasmus Ristolainen and Cam Atkinson, who I like more than Voracek, don't get me wrong, but he's been hurt over the last couple of years. He's older than Voracek. He's 32. Voracek's 31. You save cap on him, but that deal I got. But just the one deal you made basically led to the other deal. The Goss to Spare trade was a cap dump to then take on Ristolainen. I mean, if you think they're doing well, sure. But like, uh, I, I don't know about that one. I don't know. And maybe Philly comes around, but their goaltending wasn't great. You've got Ryan Ellis there. Maybe Ristolainen has a, turns to better form. He can run your power play. So can Ryan Ellis. Provorov's still great. Sam Hyde's still great. You're able to keep Konecki. You got Atkinson now. You still have Giroux. You still have Hayes. You still have Couturier. It's up the middle of your money. You still got JVR. I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to be good next year. Don't get me wrong. But you could have been better. Like you could have, you could have just tried to sign Dougie Hamilton. I just, I didn't, I didn't get the wrist line and move. But if that's Philly's guy, that's Philly's guy. They say they were quote unquote out on it, and then they made a bunch of cap room and then grabbed wrist line him. Um, let's quickly talk about one of the teams that have actually done a phenomenal job this offseason. And we need to talk about it because they they deserve some respect because things have not been great for them over the last little bit. Arizona's taken on a multitude of players and draft picks and stockpiled and taken on God knows what. They're acing it this offseason. Here's the haul they've gotten so far, just this offseason alone. So they've they've traded away Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland. Garland's going to be one that hurts. But they've given away basically those two players. They have received so far, just this offseason, from the Flyers, Shane Gostisbehere, a 2022 second, a 2022 seventh. From the Canucks, Louis Erickson, one year left on his deal. Jay Beagle, one year left on his deal. Antoine Roussel, one year left on his deal. The ninth overall pick. And a second rounder and seventh rounder next year. From the Panthers, defenseman Anton Strollman, Vladislav Koliachinok, I think I got his name right. A 2024 second rounder and a 2023 seventh. From the Islanders. They take on Andrew Ladd's contract. They got the 60th overall pick this year, which is a second rounder, a conditional second next year, and a conditional third in 2023. They're acing it. They have five second round picks next year alone. They could trade two of them to a team for a first round pick next year if they wanted to and have two first round picks next year and still have three second rounders. They're also going to have upwards of 25 to $30 million coming off the books next year. Those three players I named, Erickson, Beagle, and Roussel from the Canucks, $12 million in combined cap. Strawman has about $5 million in cap. That's off the books. Now you're up to $17 million. Phil Kessel has $6 million left. He is on a one-year, he's got one year left in his deal. That's off the books. $23 million. If they trade goaltender Darcy Kemper... That's $4.5 million off the books. That's gone as well. Not only have they taken on a bunch of cap, they are going to have even more cap next year. And they've still found a way to pay Clayton Keller and and Christian Dvorak. And they've got Jacob Chikorin and they've got Gosses Bear and they've got Strawman. Like they, it's not like they don't have players. They do have players. And for some reason, they just keep taking on these contracts, gaining picks and gaining assets. They ended up drafting uh, Dylan Genter. I think they had the fifth overall pick, the ninth overall pick. They, they just, they cleaned up this year. They absolutely cleaned up. Shane Doan, 
Hasn't been in Arizona for very long, but he has done an unbelievable, fantastic job over there. Kudos to him. Kudos to the Arizona organization. Uh, I want to move on to this here. And I know I mentioned it earlier about, you know, the NHL draft took place and, you know, Owen Power was really the big get. And then everyone else at that point, like, we don't really know a whole lot about him. There's a couple players who have some name recognition, but, you know, we'll see how they translate. But draft night in the first round, teams are going by. And before the draft, I talked about this. I made a video on the uh, Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast Instagram page discussing this when it first came out. There is a defenseman who is in the London Knights organization by the name of Logan Mayhew. You may have heard of him. There was no hockey being played this year in the Ontario Hockey League. So he played over in Sweden. 17 had just turned 18. There were some actions and incidents that came to light. As Logan Mayhew was involved in a sexual misconduct charge. That involved him photographing or videotaping a woman performing a sexual act on him and shared it with all of his teammates. This came to light. He was draft eligible this year. He shared a statement, apologizing, right? Everything you're supposed to do. But it's an awful act and it's a felony. It's illegal. He was of age to do it. And if you're listening right now and if you're a little younger, I'm sorry. Uh, but these are these are just facts that took place and uh, you know I feel it's appropriate that you know it, at least to discuss it and understand where I'm coming from here because normally in life when you are involved in a situation like this you are punished very heavily for it it's no laughing matter filming someone without their consent performing a sexual act and then sharing it on the internet with your friends. Now, it was on Snapchat. But people can screenshot. People can save it. And after he was caught. Came out. Apologized. And renounced himself from the draft. And I mean, the one thing I will say. What Logan. I mean, he, he did everything that he was probably told to do. Said you need to issue out an apology. You need to say you're incredibly sorry. You need to back out of the draft. You need to say that you're going to be working on your character. You know, he's come out a few different things. He said, I've apologized. This is something that's going to follow her for the rest of her life. Here's, I'm going to read you the actual quote of what he said. He said, during an intimate moment with a young woman, I took a picture of us without her consent. I sent it to my teammates to impress them. It was totally irresponsible and a stupid act that I committed without thinking twice. For that lack of judgment in my part, I was fined by Swedish law. I know I caused a lot of harm to this person and their family, family, and I regret doing this stupid and egotistical act. I deeply regret it. What I did now is unfortunately a part of both her life and mine. He acknowledged the impact it had on her. Like I said, this is probably something that got written up for him. And I'm not saying he didn't mean it. Don't get me wrong. But Friday night, after renouncing himself from the draft, after this disgusting, horrible thing to do to impress your teammates, teams fully knowing this, Mark Bergevin of the Montreal Canadiens steps up at 31 and drafts the kid. Now again, I am part of the London community. I have affiliations with the London Knights organization. I've had the opportunity to witness some incredible players. Some very, very amazing people. And some really talented players. Adam Boquist, who we talked about earlier. Evan Bouchard is a defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. who's probably going to play this year. A, a few London Knights were drafted this past year. Ben Roger was a second round pick. Right hand shot defenseman. Really nice kid. Really 
He's going to be a big dude. He's going to fill into his body. He's like 6'2", 6'3". He might even be taller. He's going to fill into that frame beautifully. Antonio Strange's last year. Luke Evangelista. Luke Evangelista is an example of a kid who absolutely worked his tail off his rookie year in the organization. He was a first-round pick into the OHL's uh, priority selection. Didn't score a goal all year. Not one goal. Your first-round priority selection. Didn't score once. Year two, his draft-eligible year into the NHL. He had 20-plus goals. He was was almost first-round pick. One of the nicest, most humbling kids. A lot of criticism gets said about the London Knights organization. They always had the best teams. Their scouts are always picking the best players. They're being sneaky stuff. But I will tell you, those kids are respectful. They have their heads on straight. There's a guy in that organization, Connor McMichael. You might have heard of him. Played for the World Juniors in Team Canada. Was one of their best players this past year. One of the nicest, most humble kids that I've ever had the opportunity of meeting. You know, and I will say this. Logan Mayu is not the first person to ever take a photo or a video of someone without their consent and share it with their friends. It's not the first time it's happened. It will most certainly not be the last time it's happened. But he got caught. And this was an opportunity. And again, and and Logan probably feels god-awful, especially now knowing what it has done, the negative effects that you see online, the comments... And, and, and he's probably going to regret this for the rest of his life. And maybe this, maybe this is what makes him a better person. But after this came out, renouncing yourself from the draft, up to five teams said, we're not drafting him. We don't care. We're not drafting the kid. Don't care how good he is. He was still a first-round pick. There were no repercussions You know, the NHL had a real opportunity here. Not just as a league. But as a respect level. To say if you act out. Before getting taken. There are consequences. Is that fair? To single out one person because they got caught? Maybe not. But it was still wrong of him. It's still illegal of him. And this was a chance to set an example, set a standard for every kid out there. This is wrong. Don't do this, or there will be consequences. Because what this has taught every 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old teenager, kid, whatever you want to call it, is that you can make a mistake. But if you're really good at hockey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Despite getting online thrashing public statement apology getting fined because it was illegal your career is still okay you still got a job don't worry now whether he becomes something or not in the NHL remains to be seen but it didn't affect his draft cap his draft capital he's a first round pick Don't sit there and be like, yeah, well, like he might have gone further. I don't care. He's still a first round pick. After breaking the law. And 
taking a photo, filming, whatever it was. It was a picture. He said he took a picture of her performing a sexual act on him. We can all think of what, it, what what's happening. And again, there's an OHL season this year. Logan Mayu, I don't know if he's going to play or not, but he's a part of the London Knights organization. I will be very curious to see how it gets handled there. And and he's probably incredibly sorry. But this was an opportunity. We've seen other leagues set a precedent. Hey, you can't do this or you won't play in our league. Think about where you work right now. And if this a coworker of yours did something like this and it got back to your boss would they have a job tomorrow i i doubt it i wouldn't it's a bad look it's illegal and the NHL missed the boat. Is it fair to make an example of one person just because they got caught knowing that there are definitely other people out there who have done this and not gotten caught? No, it's not fair. But life's not fair. And when you get caught, there needs to be some sort of discipline. There needs to be some sort of precedent and example in place. And this was the league's opportunity to set an example to all of the young men the teenagers, the young hockey players who are playing, trying to make it to the show. You cannot make mistakes like this. You cannot break the law. If you do this, you will not play in our league. Or at least take a significant hit along the process. Like you won't get drafted and you've got to go to rehab or whatever the case may be. And and Logan's doing everything right. He's apologized. He renounced himself from the draft. He, he's into rehab. And of course, the young woman in the situation said that all she wanted was a, quote, heartfelt apology from him in writing because she was uncomfortable meeting him in person. That's all she wanted. She didn't even want anything. She's not coming out here being like, I hope he, hope his career burns and he never amounts to anything. She didn't say that. Just wants a heartfelt apology in writing. You know, if you're an organization and you make a selection in the NHL draft and you have to release a statement, it's probably not the right pick. I lost I lost all respect for Mark Bergevin. All respect for him here. Um you know, not to mention that, you know, he was a part of the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks. He was part of the player development or part of the player. He was head something over there directly in connection with the players and there are also sexual allegations being made from the 2010 team in Chicago. When Bergevin was there. And I don't know the quote here. But basically he said that he had no knowledge of what was going on. Or had no idea about the situation at hand back in 2010. And this decision to draft Logan. Logan Mayu, Defenseman for the London Knights. Played in Sweden. Bergevin just didn't walk up to the podium. And be like you know what. I'm going to throw a curveball here and pick him. This was talked about. There were conversations had. With the coaching staff. With the management, with the scouts, probably with the owners, because of how it was going to look on the team. And they all said, we're going to take some heat for it, but he's probably going to be a good player. And they did it anyways. You had everyone. Everyone was in love with you. 
everyone was on, they were Canada's team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Cole Caulfield, this young kid, star in the making, Nick Suzuki, Carey Price redemption because he was hurt and, you know, people were questioning and then he just becomes playoff carry and it's game over. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I, how can you cheer for that? Clearly the wrong move when you have to make a statement explaining yourself. Um, I was going to talk about the Reinhardt deal to the Panthers, but Sam Reinhardt traded to the Florida Panthers in exchange for goaltending prospect Devin Levi in a 2022 first rounder. If you remember Devin Levi, he played for Team Canada um, at the 2021 World Juniors. He went 6-1 and with a 964 save percentage and a .75 goals against. He was great first rounder. Reinhardt goes to uh, Florida. Florida's going to be great next year. Um, I'm going to try and wrap it up here, make it real quick. Kale McCarr. Locked up, even after the Jones deal, is a big win for the Avalanche. Kale McCarr, six-year, $54 million contract, an average annual value of $9 million per season. Uh, the dude's basically going to be locked up till 2026. He's 22 years old. He was a finalist for the Nori this past year. Became the only defenseman to average a point per game in, 20, in uh, 2021. 44 points in just 44 games with injury. He was a major key to the Avs President's Trophy season. Uh, Colorado controlled 61 of the shopper attempts when he was on the ice. He was a uh, he's a fourth overall pick in 2017. He won the Calder Trophy last year. Almost won the Norris this year. As Adam Fox took that one home. But man, uh, that deal's done. They've still got about $20 million in cap space. They've got to re-sign Gabriel Landeskog and Philip Grubauer. There's enough money to do both. Landeskog to an eight-year, $7.58 million deal. Lock in Grubauer to like a four-year, $5.5-$6 million deal. You got some money to play with afterwards. Colorado's looking good. At least for right now. That's a great deal by them. McCarr makes a little bit more nice skin in, but less than Seth Jones. And he's 22 and he's only getting better. Um, okay, a couple other deals that took place. Uh, the Washington Capitals re-signing Alexander Ovechkin. Yes, their captain to a five-year deal worth, I believe, uh, $9.5 million per season. He is back. Apparently, a lot of people were saying he was going to sign a four-year or three-year three-year deal. Five more years of the grade eight. Uh, that takes him to 41. And... Uh, and man, I am pumped that Ovechkin is staying in Washington for five more years, babe. We get five more years of Ovechkin. It's he basically makes the same amount of money he made before. It's not it's not affecting their cap at all. Dude's still locked in. Um, he's going for it. He's going for the goal record, baby. I love it. And um, really nice to see. There were some question marks about how long he would stay. He wanted to finish the rest of his career over in Russia, but five more years in Washington. Is, uh, is a great day for uh, Capital fans. Winnipeg Jets signing forward Paul Stasny to a one-year deal with $3.75 million. Uh, this was announced yesterday. Stasny had 13 goals, 16 assists last season. You remember, he was acquired with from the Vegas Golden Knights. And, uh, you know, last year on his deal, when he finished off in Winnipeg, he uh, was making $6.5 million. And now his, basically, they bring a player back with a, almost two, $3 million discount. So they save money. They bring a player back and can go spend that money on someone else. They then acquired Brendan Dillon from the Capitals in exchange for a second round pick next year and a second round pick in 2023. It's a good deal for Washington. Good deal for uh, Winnipeg was hurting on the back end. Dillon's a great, great player. Um, He's got three years left in his deal. He only makes $3.9 million. He, more of a defensive guy. He had two goals, 17 assists. He averaged almost 19 minutes uh, on ice per game, but 6'4", 225. Big defensive dude. Great deal for Winnipeg. Uh, Washington trying to shed some salary. They get a couple second round picks in return. This is a very fair deal, I think, for both teams. Couple seconds. Brandon Dillon for three years. All the sense in the world for both teams. Bravo to both. Florida Panthers re-signing restricted free agent forward Sam Bennett to a four-year deal with an average annual cap hit of $4.4 million. Um, he was a huge piece when they brought him over from the Calgary Flames and just thrived in that system. So really nice for him to have an opportunity to play there for uh, the next four years. And again, 
Bennett, they just acquired Reinhardt, and you've got Barkov, you've got Huberto, Duclair re-signed there. Florida's revamping and ready to go this year. I absolutely love it. Arizona defenseman Nicholas Jalmerson is calling it a career after 14 seasons in the NHL. He's a three-time Stanley Cup winner. One of the most underrated defensemen, in my opinion, in uh, you know in the NHL for the last little while. Very good shutdown, very good puck-moving defenseman. He wasn't one of those guys that, like, you watched him and you're blown away like a camel car. Like, oh my god, his skating is phenomenal. His stick handling is phenomenal. He just does everything really well. He's a good skater, good puck mover, good defender. His underlying numbers, you know, as he was getting older, were still fantastic. And uh, a really good all-around solid player who I think was very undervalued. And the fact that he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion, he's a proven winner. Congratulations to Nicholas Jalmerson on, on a career. Yeah, 34 years of age. He's been in Arizona for the last four years, but yeah. Stanley Cup victories in 2010, 2013, and 2015. He was one of the league's top defensive defensemen for more than a decade. So, bravo to him. And, wow. What a day today. Thank you for listening to the entire podcast. Over an hour today. We jam-packed as much information as we could in there. Free agency starts tomorrow. Lots of rumors. Lots of stuff. I know there's a couple things I didn't get to, but... Enjoy the week. Enjoy the mayhem, the chaos. I got to go post a bunch on the account, but make sure you follow along. SD Hockey Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I need a drink of water. Until then, I'll see you Friday. That's a wrap.